This is a time of year when we make resolutions, right? We can. Some of us have and do, right? Make resolutions. Um, also, the time we can set goals, you know, in 2024, I'm going to lose 30 pounds. I'm going to not eat at neighbor's ice cream store every time I ride by. Um, it's also the time that we might question God's plan, right? This is the time of year when we do that kind of stuff. God, what do you have for me in 2024? God, what do you want me to do in 2024? God, what's the purpose of my life? God, why have you put me on this earth? Why am I here, God? Please help me understand why I'm here. So this is the time of the year that we do that. Well, Pastor Louie is going to be kicking off a sermon series um, on knowing and doing the will of God. And I'm really looking forward to it because it's going to be very practical stuff. Very practical stuff. You want to know God's will? Bam. Bam. You want to do God's will? Bam. Bam. It's going to be very practical stuff that we can all relate to. Okay. I can try that. I was going to say I could do that. (laughs) I could try that. You know, if you're like me, you'll try it. You might, you may or may not do it, but at least it's practical stuff that, that we can try. Um, so this morning I am going to prime the pump just a little bit by looking at the disciple Peter's letter to the young struggling churches in what is now the nation of Turkey. So if you know where Italy is, right? The boot in the Mediterranean Sea, right? Well, just head right or head east, right? Turn right there when you're in Italy, right? Turn right and you're going to head past Greece and then you're going to run into Turkey. Huge country, right? You're going to run into Turkey and if you turn south there, then you'll run into Lebanon and Israel uh, in that area. So Turkey is kind of on the, on the bend there in the Middle East in between Italy and Israel, Turkey is there. And so uh, uh, the Apostle Peter uh, wrote letters to the churches in that area shortly after the time of Christ. So that's where we're going to spend a little time this morning. I had the privilege a long time ago, many, many years ago, I had the privilege of helping a master brick mason build some fireplaces. I knew nothing about it, but he needed a gopher. He needed somebody who would follow directions, who would listen and pay attention and not ask nine million questions and do whatever he said to do. That was me. All right. So I had no idea what I was doing, but it was a, it was a privilege and absolute joy as I got to work with this man because he was a master at it. And we had built, we built three fireplaces and they were all big two-story fireplaces. So they were big and one of them had fire boxes on two floors and done and all this other kind of stuff. I learned it was incredible. And so there was a few things that struck me as I had the privilege of working with this man. Um, number one, he was concerned about the foundation. He, you know, everybody he spoke to, he made sure that it was the right kind of foundation that was supposed to be poured for the kind of fireplace that he was going to build. Because if it wasn't, a few years down the road, you'd find out real quick that was the wrong foundation because of all that weight sitting on it. So he took a lot of time to make sure 
that it was the right kind of foundation for the kind of fireplace that he was going to build. And um, when we got pallets of bricks, I mean, there were pallets, of a lot of pallets of bricks, that we, at least three, but there were three on just the first load. And then there'd be three more pallets and four more pallets, a lot of bricks. And my job was to keep the cement mixer going, keep cement going, because he was the bricklayer, right? That's what he's good at. And he just, you just keep that mixer going in full. He showed me how to mix the cement and all that so it was the right consistency. Um, and, and then pour it in the buckets so he could do what he had to do. So keep the cement mixer going, Frank. Also, hand me bricks. You keep me a good supply of bricks. And he told me. He said, now Frank, don't pull all the bricks off of this pallet. Pull a brick from here, a brick from there, a brick from there. And go back, a brick from here, a brick from there, a brick from there. I'm thinking, well, you know, what's the, I don't, I don't get it. He said, but you know, this pallet of bricks has a tint to it, a certain color to it. This pallet of bricks may be a little different tint and a little different color. It says if you use all the same bricks off the same pallet, then you're going to have one tint of bricks here and the next tint, it goes, it'll look like a candy cane on your fireplace. Well, you know, I didn't know that, but it made perfect, after he explained it to me, it made perfect sense, right? So I was like, oh, okay, I get it. So I made sure and I kind of had fun just making sure I mixed up them bricks, you know. And so my job, just keep him supplied with bricks. Keep him supplied with mortar. Don't ask nine million zillion questions and do whatever it was he told me to do. And that's what I did. So this morning, as I spend just a few minutes with you, I want you to keep the image of that story in mind of a master bricklayer who pays attention to a foundation and who was careful in selecting bricks and measuring. You know, he had that string line to make sure those bricks were level. And he had a level. And, you know, the question I ask is, level to what? Level to the earth right there where we were building those fireplaces. But if we were building fireplaces in South America, below the equator, it would be a different level, wouldn't it? But it was level to a standard, Right? There was a standard, and this is a level. That bubble's right in between them lines there. Okay, so he kept that string going up, going up, building that fireplace. It was amazing. So keep that in mind as we, uh, as I share with you this morning. The Apostle Peter was one of the twelve disciples. He was a first-hand witness to Jesus Christ. He was there. He saw Jesus before the crucifixion. He saw Jesus crucified and dead, and he saw Jesus raised. He was a first-hand witness. Okay? And he's writing to believers in Christ, in what is now those churches in modern-day Turkey. It was a lot of churches there, so he would, you know, you'd write a letter and they'd pass it around from church to church to church. And the main purpose of Peter's letter to these churches in that area of what's now Turkey was to encourage them. They were young churches. This Peter's letter was written right around 60 AD, plus or minus a few years here or there. You know, Jesus died 30, 33 AD, right around there. So it's just 30 years after Christ was crucified and resurrected. So it's, and they didn't have internet, didn't have newspaper, you know, right? Okay, so it, it, it was young churches, and these churches 
were full of folks like you, Gentiles, not Jews. They were Gentiles, okay? And so, and, and, and they, the, the Gentiles have been told their entire life by the Jews that you're dirty, you're nasty, you're filthy, you're not part of the chosen nation like we Israelites are. We're special and you're not. And so Peter is writing to these churches to encourage them, okay? These young churches and to let them know just how critically important they are because they've been told they're dirty, nasty, and filthy. And Peter's saying, no, you're not. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you how. So um, Peter's letter to the believers, this uh, first Peter's letter to the believers really has three main sections. I'm just going to focus on the first section where Peter uses the imagery and the terminology of brick masons, right? He uses the imagery and terminology to help those young believers understand, first of all, who is Jesus? They didn't see Jesus. They don't know. They just heard about Jesus. That's all. They heard about Jesus. And so Peter's wanting to let him know who Jesus is. Because remember, Peter's a first-hand witness. Peter walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, prayed with Jesus, right? So Peter's a first-hand witness. Then also, he wants to let those young believers know who they are now that they believe in Jesus. Now that you believe in Jesus, here's who you are. Don't listen to what other folks have been saying. I'm going to tell you, this is who you are and finally, he shares with them in this first section how God plans to use them. God's got a plan and a purpose for you, Gentiles, new believers, okay? So today we're just going to focus on that section one. Before we get into our scripture, so our scripture is First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. And before we get into that, I want to do a real quick flyover of chapter 1. Because Peter's setting the stage in chapter 1 before he begins to dive into a little bit more detail in chapter 2. Um, so Peter tells the new believers in chapter 1, he tells, here's believers, new believers, here's what you need to know. In chapter 1, you're created to obey Christ. That's why you were created, Gentiles who've now been brought in to this uh, belief in Jesus Christ. And now you're part of this holy nation, believers. You're created to obey Christ. You're created to have a living hope. You, When you believe, you will have a living hope. Not a dead hope. Not stone idols that they have worshipped before that are dead. You're going to have a living hope. And you will have obtained an inheritance in heaven. You're, when you believe in Jesus Christ, young church there in Turkey... Or what was Turkey Asia Minor? You're, you now have an inheritance in heaven that you've obtained. And you're going to be protected by God. Now, let me be careful to say, it's not rainbows and unicorns. Y'all have heard me say that before. Right? And it wasn't going to be for them. They are going to be persecuted. They will be persecuted. But their soul, when you believe, when they believe, when you believe, in Jesus Christ, your soul is protected by the Lord God Almighty, by that Holy Spirit. So it's not going to be rainbows and unicorns. As a matter of fact, in chapter 1, he tells them, you will suffer. 
You will suffer. Period. You will suffer. But you're going to suffer so that you can prove your faith. Because there are going to be people watching you. New churches. In that Asian mind. They're going to be watching you. People are watching you. And you're going to suffer. And you're going to be talking about Christ and Jesus. And all this great and wonderful stuff. And how are you, you're, you know, how you respond to that is going to be important. God, there's going to be challenges. Tells us in, uh, in the gospels, in this world, there will be tribulation. Period. There will be tribulation. You will suffer. It is not rainbows and unicorns. But through your suffering and keeping your focus on God, you can prove your faith, not so that people go, wow, Look how good you are. No, no. So they can go, gee, that, that person used to cuss Christ. And now, look, they're praising God. Amen. Who is this God? Yeah. You know, who is this God that you can praise in the midst of a cancer diagnosis? Yeah. Who is this God? So they're going to suffer so that they can prove their faith. And Peter tells them in chapter 1 that they must prepare for action. Be ready be prepared for action. And Peter encourages them in the closing of that chapter 1 to don't go back to your old ways. And why did they need to know this? Well, because God is going to use them to work His plans and His purpose to save the world. This was 2,000 years ago. And God used them to spread the gospel so that we have it today. Thank God for the faithfulness of those churches 2,000 years ago. For the people who suffered and kept their eyes fixed on God and Christ Jesus and didn't, didn't turn back, right? Because of them, because of their witness, because of their strength and their faithfulness, we're here today and we can believe in God and we can have that same inheritance that they had, right? So God's going to use them plans and purposes to save the world by building them into, as Peter describes it, a living sanctuary. So from the beginning of the Bible to the end, from Genesis all the way through to Revelation and everywhere in between, people who wrote the Bible used imagery, used symbols, used um, stories to help describe God. God is all-powerful, Right? All-knowing, all-everything. How do you describe that? Well, you go, well, it's kind of like this. Right? And so you use one example there. And then over here you, well, tell me about this God. Well, you know, God's kind of like this. Okay, that's a different example, a different story. Somebody else, well, you know, God's kind of like this. So the Bible from beginning to end is full of stories written by normal folks just like us who are saying, well, God's kind of like this. And that's what Peter's doing here. God's kind of like this. Peter's using the imagery of a brick mason to help those churches. Do you think they were probably building um, uh, buildings, right, and dwellings out of stones and rocks and bricks? Of course they were. Of course they were, right? So he's um, helping them understand who Jesus is, who they are as believers, and how God plans to use them. So let's look at our scripture this morning. If you have your Bibles or your phone, you can open up to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 10. 
easy way to find it is to go to the very end, Revelation, and make a hard left. Go to Revelation, make a hard left, and First Peter's right close by there. You can't miss it if you make a hard left at, at Revelation. First um, Peter chapter two, verse four through ten. So remember, Peter's writing to these young churches. He's encouraging them, letting them know who Jesus is, who they are, and how God plans to use them. And he's using this story of a brick mason. I'm reading from the message. So Peter says, Welcome to the living stone, the source of life. The workmen, the Jewish leaders, that's who the workmen are, the workmen took one look and threw it out. God set it in a place of honor. Present yourselves, churches, as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life in which you'll serve as holy priests Offering Christ-approved lives up to God. Amen. Amen. So now here, Peter is getting ready to testify. Pastor Louis talked in his, his Bible study this morning. Pastor Louis talked about being in court, being in trial. Well, in a trial, you're called to testify. Why are you called to testify? Because you're a witness, right? And so Peter was a witness. He knew Christ. And he's now getting ready to testify because he's told these churches, you're going to offer Christ-approved lives up to God. And then he says, and here's who Jesus is. Let me tell you who this Jesus is. Peter was a good Jew. He read the Old Testament scriptures, the Torah, the Talmud. He read those. He knew that Christ fulfilled those. So in these upcoming verses, Peter's going to pull from the prophet Isaiah and the book of Psalms to say, I knew Jesus. I saw him. I ate with him. I saw him die. I saw him resurrected. And I know the Old Testament scriptures. So let me tell you who this Jesus is. And now he quotes the Old Testament. He said, the scriptures provide proof. Look, I'm setting a stone in Zion, a cornerstone in the place of honor. Whoever trusts in this stone as a foundation will never have cause to regret. Amen. So Christ is that foundation. To you who trust in Christ, He's a stone to be proud of. But those who refuse to trust in Christ, the stone the workman threw out is now the chief cornerstone. Yep, you threw Him out. Guess what? You messed up. You messed up. And that's an Old Testament uh, scripture from Psalms. For the untrusting, for those who don't trust in Christ, He's a stone to trip over. Skateboarders? Any skateboarders? I grew up skateboarding, right? Well, you know, when you're, when you're a hick from Benel and you're skateboarding out on the road, what you do is get little teeny, teeny, tiny pebbles. And pe- your friends are out there skateboarding and you just throw a couple of them out there. You hit a little pebble with a skateboard going as fast as you can go. What happens? It's funny. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's funny. Boy, that skateboard hits that rock and and off you go. Well, we would do crazy stuff like that, right? So when I read this, a stone to trip over, I hadn't tripped over too many stones, but I've sure hit some stones skateboarding. And buddy, mm. so sometimes uh, for those that don't trust, a boulder blocking the way. They trip and fall because they refuse to obey just as predicted, just as written in the Scriptures. But you, you, churches in, in Asia Minor, 
young churches, you are the ones chosen by God. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. The priests back then were untouchable, right? He's saying, no, no, you're going to be priests in this living sanctuary I talked about there in the first chapter. You're going to be priests chosen to be a holy people. They've been told you're dirty, you're filthy, you're nasty. Peter's saying, no, no, you're going to, you're holy. If you trust in Christ, you're holy. You're God's instruments. Listen, this is the point. You are God's instruments to do His work and to speak out for Him. To tell others of the night and day difference He made for you. From nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. So let's quickly unpack that. Let's quickly unpack that. The disciple Peter answers the question, Who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus that we're telling you about? Well, let me pull from these Old Testament scriptures and tell you that He fulfilled those Old Testament scriptures. He is the living stone that was talked about by Isaiah and the book of Psalms. He is the cornerstone that was talked about and prophesied about. He is the chief foundation stone. Peter says... I'm a witness. I am testifying. I've seen it. I know it. I know the scriptures and I know Christ. And he fulfilled those prophecies. Who are you? Who are you, churches in Asia Minor, that are new and have been told that you're dirty and you're nasty and you're filthy and you're not part of the holy nation? No, let me tell you, when you trust in Christ, when you believe in Christ... You are chosen by God. God has chosen you. Amen. You are living stones. You're not dead idols placed on an altar, right? That some human made with human hand. No, 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 no. You are living stones. You're a sanctuary vibrant with life. You're holy priest. Now this sanctuary, Pastor Howard and Pastor Ramona had an incredible vision and they were obedient and they trusted in the Lord God Almighty and this sanctuary is is evidence of their faith in Christ, their obedience and their trust. Amen. Amen. But guess what? These stones, these walls are dead. So other than the fact that this space has been sanctified, has been set apart, by you, the Living Cornerstone Church, you said, we are going to make this place... It's not special in and of itself. These stones are dead. But we, TLC, the body of Christ here at TLC, we've set it apart for a special purpose. I've got my Gator coffee mug over there. I've got a special Gator coffee mug that's set apart for a special purpose. My coffee every morning. It is sanctified... In the church of Florida Gators, right? Okay, it's set apart. That's my morning coffee mug, right? It's got a purpose. It's special, right? So other than the fact that this church, these block walls here have been set apart for the purpose of worship and prayer and fellowship, other than that, there's nothing special about this building. It is evidence of faith and obedience and trust 
and endurance and hope and all that stuff. And it is set apart. It is sanctified for a special purpose. But other than that, there's dead blocks in these walls. And Peter's saying, you, the churches in this area, you're going to be living stones to make a sanctuary that is vibrant with life. And what is that sanctuary? Here. Here. You're going to be the dwelling place right here is where God is going to dwell. See, the Jews always said you got to go to Jerusalem. you got to go to the temple in Jerusalem to make sacrifices, to make offerings, to worship the Lord God Almighty. And Peter's going, not anymore. Not anymore. The Lord God Almighty is go- right here is going to be the temple. Right here. And you're going to be living stones in a sanctuary that is alive, that is growing Because God has a a plan and a purpose, right? How does God plan to use these young believers, these new believers, to build that spiritual house so that 2,000 years later we can sit in here and receive those same blessings of protection, of hope, of joy in the midst of bad news, right, of of an inheritance in heaven that'll never spoil, that'll never go bad, that won't disappear, right? To build a spiritual house. But listen, how does God plan to use these living stones, right? He, he tells us in the scripture, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, to be a holy people. Are you going to mess up? Yeah. Okay. Right? We're going to mess up. Okay. To be God's instruments. To do His work. To speak out for Him. To speak out for Him. To tell others of the night and day difference He made for you. From nothing to something. The night and day difference. God's asking you to be a witness. To testify. He's not asking you to tell somebody else's story. He's asking you to tell your story. This is what Christ did for me. I can't speak for anybody else. I don't know nobody else's story. Other people's stories are none of my business. But let me tell you what Christ did for me. You're a first-hand witness that can testify to what Christ did for you. I am as well. That's all God's asking you to do. Tell your story. Be a witness and testify. To speak out for Him. To tell others of the difference that He made. So let's bottom line it. I'll bottom line it for you. What do you need to know? That you are a living stone in the house of God. Yes, He was writing to the churches in Asia Minor and what's today's Turkey. But we know He's writing to us too, right? Because we are Part of that chosen nation, that holy priesthood, that spiritual house. When you believe in Christ, you become part of that. Okay? Amen. So, you're a living stone in the house of God. Now, why do you need to know this? Okay, so I'm a living stone, so what? Well, because God wants to use you. He wants to take you and that brick mason when we were building those fireplaces and those chimneys, he'd look at a block real quick. He had a trained eye. He knew what to look for and he could tell if one was cracked and going to break just by looking at it. 
you know. And of course he had a hammer that he was cutting blocks to certain sizes and stuff to make corners and angles and all that kind of stuff. But God does the same with us. He's building us, building you and I into a living sanctuary to tell your story, to save the world. So what do you need to do? What do you need to do? Well, you need to stay connected. You need to stay connected. I saw a meme earlier last week. Um, I'm going to get it wrong. So, but it was a, a picture of, of a little tiny zebra being chased by a lion. And the zebra herds over here and the little zebra over here is cut out from the herd and the lion's chasing the zebra was being isolated, trying to do it on their own. No, be part of the herd. Stay connected. Stay connected. Don't isolate yourself. Now, what does that look like? What does that look like? Because a lot of ways to stay connected. Let me tell you one coming up Thursday night. Thursday night, the upper room. This is a worship service, music, prayer, right? Worship. This is one way. So you'll have your entire life to stay connected. This is one way. Tuesday morning, men's uh, breakfast at McDonald's. That's a way to stay connected. Well, Pastor Frank, you know, 7.30 a.m. doesn't work for me. I get it. It didn't work for me for 35 years. At 7.30 a.m. was go time for me. I didn't, I, I couldn't go, you know, drink coffee with the guys. I can now, thank the Lord. But for 35 years, 7.30 was go time. Okay, if 7.30 doesn't work for you, you come to Pastor Louie and I, come to Pastor Ramona, Pastor Bonnie, and say, I got an idea. Could y'all do something like this? Could y'all try this? I used to meet with a group of men at 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday night at 10 o'clock at night because that's when they could meet. Family was all in bed. Everybody was asleep. Can we get together at 10 o'clock on a Thursday night? Yeah, we can. All right? So I don't know if Pastor Louie, you'll do that Thursday night at 10 o'clock. So, um, but, you know, if, if, you, if you say, you know, Pastor Frank, I want to be connected. I can't make it to upper room. Or maybe that's just not your thing. That's okay. I'm telling you, stay connected. So that's one way. Come, to, to send us an email, okay, whatever. Comment in the uh, comments on uh, Facebook. But stay connected. I, I can't give you better advice than that. When you give your life to Christ, Satan wants to cut you out of the herd. Satan wants to cut you out of that herd and get you off by yourself. So Satan can discourage you, distract you, demoralize you. God is all about unity. The perfect example, God is building a spiritual house. A house is a unit with a lot of parts. Another story in the Bible you read about, you're all parts of a body. Some of you are a big toe, some of you an elbow, you know, whatever, right? If you, if you look at those examples in the Bible, it's all about you. God's about unity. That's what God's about. Satan is about division. And so Satan will use all the tricks that Satan can to divide us, to get us talking about each other and arguing with each other and thinking bad thoughts about each other. That's what Satan does. Division. That's what Satan does. So stay connected. Find ways to be connected, please. And if you can't think of something, um, come to Pastor Louie and I, Pastor Bonnie, Pastor Ramona. 
I'd love the challenge of finding new ways to be connected in the body of Christ. I have these blocks up here, and I purposely put these Bibles as part of it. The Word of the Lord God Almighty. Stay connected. Read the Bible. Okay, Pastor Frank. Man, I've tried reading the Bible. I have too. You know, it's, it's, it's not... So, here's what Satan does. Frank, man. You haven't read the Bible the last two weeks. You gonna pick it up now? When you got a sermon to preach? Oh, Frank, you gonna pick it up now that you got a sermon to preach. But when you didn't have a sermon to preach, you wasn't picking up the Bible, were you, Frank? No. Frank, man. You don't, you know. Come on. Satan will try to discourage you. He'll lie to you. God will say, just read one verse. Just read one verse. And then just listen. God, what are you telling me? Just read one. Read the Bible. Stay connected. I can't give you better advice than read the Bible. Pray. You all have stones. Right? I think you got a stone when you came in. You have a stone. Uh, About 25 years ago, a woman at a church I was worshiping at then knitted this little square for me. Now, you can't see it. But in there is a cross. And she knitted that for me. I was a leader at the church. And she said, Pastor Frank, I want to give you this so that you know I'm praying for you. This is a reminder, Pastor Frank, that I'm praying for you. And put it in your pocket, Pastor Frank. And when you feel it, you'll know that somebody's praying for me. She was encouraging. You know, being a church leader can be hard sometimes, right? So she was encouraging me. Well, I began to learn and began to realize that when I felt this square, yeah, oh, God, you know, thank you um, for those that pray for me. And then God said, by the way, Frank, uh, you need to pray for people. He turned it around on me, right? He said, Frank, when you feel that cloth in your pocket, when you, you know, sometimes it'll get wadded up in a little ball and I'll straighten it out. Well, guess what? Okay, I need to pray for X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. That's my reminder for me to pray for people because people are praying for me. So that's my reminder. So I've given you a little rock. You can throw it away. I don't care. I kept this for 25 years and I plan to keep it the rest of my life. If a rock helps you to remember to pray, if a rock in your pocket helps you to remember to pray, keep it. I'm trying to encourage you. Pray, stay connected. That's just another practical way. So we've got a couple of Bibles up here. These are Bibles to give away. These are Bibles that somebody shared with us that uh, we can give away. So if you need a Bible, these are great study Bibles. There's two of them right here. Come pick it up. Stay connected in the Word. Stay connected through prayer. Discover your specific role. This may take 50 years. It may not. But when you're praying, God, am I an elbow? Am I a finger? Am I a big toe? Am I a block that goes this way? Am I a block that goes that way? Am I supposed to be placed here? Or am I supposed to be placed there? Keep asking God. God, how do you want to use me? God didn't create you to be somebody else. God created you to be you. Your job is to be you for God. Don't try to be somebody else. You're not somebody else. You can testify about you. You're a first-hand witness to you. Nobody else. 
So you give your testimony. You tell people about you. And stay alert for attacks from Satan. Satan will attack you, period. You give your life to Christ, you become a believer, you will be attacked, period. It's a guarantee, a guarantee. The good news is that you have an inheritance in heaven. You had a friend, I have a friend who's an alcoholic, gave his life to Christ 15 years ago, and he says, Frank, I can't explain it. I can't explain how God works and moves in my life. I said, yeah, it's that undescribable joy. He goes, it is. It's undescribable joy. He goes, I can't. I, I try to put words to it, but I can't. It's undescribable, but I got joy that I never had before. I was trying to find joy in a bottle. And I found joy in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, why do you need to stay connected? Why do you need to be prepared and be ready? Why do you need to discover where and how God wants to use you? Because you're God's plan A. Period. Just like those churches in Asia Minor 2,000 years ago, they were faithful, they were obedient, they stood up, they had courage in the face of persecution and danger, right? And they were faithful and obedient, and as a result of their faithfulness and obedience, we're sitting here today believing in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. And so you're God's plan A. God doesn't have a plan B. God doesn't have a plan B. God's got a plan A. And when you believe in Christ, you're it. You're, you're God's plan A. So you say, Frank, Peter's letter is written to believers. What about unbelievers? Well, you're not part of God's plan A. You don't have an inheritance in heaven. You don't have a joy that's undescribable. But you can you can. And so, for many, many years, I think Pastor Louis shared, it was me who was talking about, I sat through, I can't tell you how many altar calls, pretending to be a Christian, pretending to be a Christian around my Christian friends, and then trying to pretend to be a tough guy on the baseball field and the basketball court, that kind of stuff, when I really wasn't. It's not me, but I thought that that's what I, that's, I thought that was what I had to be. So I pretended to be one person in front of these folks, pretended to be another person in front of these folks, and finally just got sick and tired of pretending. God, I ain't doing it anymore. I'm so sick of it. And that's when I said, okay, God, I'm not pretending anymore. Um, so I encourage you. And, and of course, when you give your life to Christ, you're going to still stumble. You're going to still fall. You may give two-thirds of yourself to Christ and say, let me chip off the back third of this block right here. Let me hold on to that part myself because, God, I'm not ready to give that to you yet. And I do that. I've, I've got a couple of chips off of the block that I haven't given to Christ. Right? Let me just be honest right here with you. I, I haven't given my whole block to Christ. I'm trying. So let's pray. God, thank you that you love us no matter what. Whether we believe or don't believe, God, you love us. You are pursuing us, God. You are chasing us, God. You are calling us to you. And so, God, we offer our lives to you. We put 
our lives in your hands to build and to use. God, help us who believe to give you all of ourselves, Lord. All of ourselves. And God, for those this morning here that maybe don't believe or coming to believe right now, God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Pour into all of us, Lord. Pour into all of us so that you can use us, so that we can be a witness and testify about what you have done, are doing, and are going to do in our lives. We offer ourselves to you for Jesus' praise and glory and for the glory of your growing church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go in grace and peace. We have some more Bibles up here too. Amen. Thank you very much. So if you need a Bible, take one. And go in grace and peace. And there will be some folks here that will pray with you and pray for you should you want prayer. Thank you. God bless you. God bless. Hello. This is Pastor Louis. I hope you've enjoyed the message today. And I hope that it has encouraged you. If you need any further information about the message or our ministries, please contact us at the numbers on the screen. Our live worship is 1030 each Sunday morning. And we can also be seen on YouTube and Facebook at thelivingcornerstone.org. Be blessed.